0: To learn more and to claim your company listing, visit agtechcompanies.com. If you are starting a vertical farm and don't know where to begin or which technology would suit your needs, then reach out to the experts at Cultivated. As indoor farm brokers, they help connect you to the right technology and ensure your project is successful. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Visit cultivated.com to learn more. And that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com. Or click the link in the show notes.
1: But at the end of the day, what we're focused on is driving real, tangible, calculable value for these growers, right? And so our growers on average are seeing 3x returns on investment every year that they implement the system. And it's continuous throughout the system because of how much value we can drive. That's a combination of things like hard costs. It's easy for growers to say, you know what, you're right, I can reduce some of the labor. welcome to the vertical farming podcast weekly conversations with fascinating ceos founders and agtech tech visionaries join us every week as we dive deep into the world of vertical farming with your host harry duran
0: vertical farming podcast season six welcome back if this is your first time listening I always like to roll out what i like to call the green carpet Welcome. I'm glad you found the show. I'd love to find out how you found the show. So as a podcaster, it's always helpful for me to understand and know where the listeners are coming from, where the new audience is coming from, how you found it. It might be some of the folks I met at AgraMe conference in Dubai. I'll talk a little bit about that exciting experience as well. I've touched on it uh, last week, but yes, if you would be so kind as to let me know, harry at verticalfarmingpodcast.com or even better yet, you can leave a rating and a review. I'll let you know how to do that in just one second. This is the show where we interview fascinating CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world. And I'm your host, Harry Duran. Last week, Henry Gordon-Smith was gracious enough to join us again for round two. He is the founder of AgriTecture, a leader in ag tech consulting. And he joined us to talk about his recent travel and nomadic lifestyle, the importance of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, and how the overall ag tech industry is expanding and evolving and henry definitely has some opinions about that we talk about consolidation hybridization and agriculture's growth strategy and why he's so passionate and outspoken and steadfast about his belief in cea so please check that out if you haven't done so already i had the great pleasure of spending time with henry in dubai at AgriMe. this week another round two guest it is alison kauf in a different role she's now the chief growth officer at iuno a company that's building the future of cea through their ai driven luna platform which enables growers to develop a feedback loop between capturing data and managing processes to create precise predictable production in this conversation we talk about the merging of artemis and Ayuno, her new role as chief growth officer and the many ways she's helping to promote and empower female founders and entrepreneurs always high energy when allison is on the show I was grateful to meet her in person at NYC earlier this year and invite her back on. So I'm really happy we were able to make the time work and grateful that she's back on the show. I know you'll enjoy this. As I mentioned, if you're enjoying this episode or past episodes, there's a couple of folks I spoke to at Agramy in person who said they'd be leaving a review. So I think you're listening. And I think you should probably do that. <laughs> the way to do that, ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. I'd love to read yours out on a future episode. Okay, before we jump into this uninterrupted conversation with Allison, here are a few words from the folks that support this show, in addition to our title sponsor, Cultivated. This episode is brought to you by Netled. From consultation and technology to services and maintenance, Netled has the complete package. Whether it's your first vertical form or you need help scaling an existing operation, Netled can help. They offer both service and technology business solutions for vegetable and herb producers from pilot phase projects to industrial scale mass production. And with Vera, you have the only true end-to-end turnkey vertical farming solution on the market. Learn more at netled.fi or you can visit their North American Showcase facility in Calgary, Canada. Allison Koff, back for round two on Vertical Farming Podcast. Now Chief Growth Officer at UNU. Thank you once again for joining this conversation.
1: Yeah, it's always fun. uh, I'm excited to be here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we got to connect. It's fun to be in person at conferences at Indoor Icon in in, uh, New York City, in Brooklyn, actually. I came back with 20 plus names. (laughs)
1: That's amazing.
0: You know, round twos, new folks I met there. I think, I don't know if you have a preference for format, but I just love the single track because everyone's, I got to see probably 80, 90% of their talks and then they give you enough time to network. So I'm wondering what the experience was like for you.
1: Yeah, it's funny cause I think one, I felt very rusty because it's been so long since we've been at in-person conferences. And so we had a whole lot of conferences all in a row. We had green tech, we had Indoor Ag Tech Summit and then we had Cultivate all within about a month and a half span. And so you just kind of get your shoes back on and get get to it. But I liked the I also agree. I liked the format of Indoor Ag Tech because it was so much content. It was really like what was it? It was only 24 hours really, or was it two days? It was a day and a half.
0: Two days, yeah, two days. Yeah, yeah, it was
1: like a day and a half of just content, content, right? And so whereas shows like Green Tech and Cultivate are, are floor shows, which I tend to like a lot better personally, but I loved, I loved the format actually of indirect text. I felt like it warmed you up to, oh yeah, what is going on in the industry? Who, is, like, what are we all up to? What has everyone been doing for the last year or two years?
0: Yeah, and it was just
1: good to see everybody.
0: Yeah, I'm sure for you, having gone to several of these, it almost becomes like a, a little bit of a class reunion. <laughs> you get oh just yeah, like...
1: absolutely, just old friends. <laughs> <laughs> seeing each other for the first time in a while. Yeah, exactly. But it's good because I think one of the fun things about conferences is everybody always tees up news right before. And so uh, Interag Tech Summit, Little Leaf had just announced, and of course, Gotham just announced they're around. And there's a small show going on at, that the USDA is hosting right now. And so one of the fun things for me is, yes, it's time to catch up, but it's also like a jam-packed day filled with all everybody's news that they've been holding onto for the last few weeks. So it's kind of fun to celebrate everybody as well.
0: Yeah. And everyone's processing it at the same time in that space. And and then you start to see like people who have been like keeping the news guarded or or couldn't talk about it are able to talk about it there. (laughs) So everyone's... (laughs) So last time you were on the show, you had a different position with Artemis. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how the the new position came about and what those conversations were like, and what was your thought process for making that move?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So some of the listeners may know me as the founder of Artemis and started that company in 2015. We built software for the greenhouse and vertical farming industries and specifically focused around production optimization people management, labor planning, food safety compliance. And about a year ago, actually it's good timing because I think your anniversary was yesterday. We merged in with Unu, a company that's really at the forefront of AI using computer vision to optimize everything in the growing environment. And so we merged businesses about a year ago and created a combined entity as Unu now. So Artemis lives on as a product through now called Luna CMP and complements the AI product really, really nicely. And I get to be the chief growth officer and focus on all things commercial, which is a ton of fun.
0: Yeah. And so for folks that are new to UNU, <laughs> can you talk a little bit about their, how they got started? And, and at some point, it'd be probably great to have Adam on on the show as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we've been around since 2013. So we've been around for a while in the industry and and our product really is using cameras to feed data into a system and look at plants in a different way than we're actually able to look at those in real life. And so we often are hearing the challenges that come with data collection in this industry because it's incredibly labor intensive. It's very inaccurate. People are good at a lot of things. There are also things we're not very good at. Counting plants, for example, we're not very good at. We're not very accurate. Every time you do an inventory count, it's a different number, right? And we all know these challenges. And technology is actually very good at a lot of those things that we are not very good at. And so you get this nice complementary nature where you can bring technology and humans together to create really powerful products. That's what we do at UNU. And so we have a computer vision system where we use cameras to pick up information to comprehensively look at every plant in the greenhouse or, or in the vertical farming environment to feed that information into our system. And then we couple that with best-in-class horticultural knowledge um, to really help drive value for growers. So we're looking at things like inventory counts, of course, but also things like automated issue detection, where we can autonomously scout the greenhouse. For pest or disease or issues like that, that normally you either might catch, but it's labor intensive and expensive to do, or you're probably going to miss because it's just you're not able to cover 10, 50, 100 acres of production area all of the time. But technology can. And so that's what we're looking at.
0: So, how does that logistically happen in terms of the types of cameras? Is it with drones or is it just with like the placement of the cameras or how does this happen in a typical farm
1: yeah we have a variety of different solutions depending on the type of environment so i'll say first and foremost like we're a software company and so the hardware is a mechanism for data collection which okay. gives us this luxury where we get to choose whatever the best system is for the right application so i'll give you an example for leafy greens growers and greenhouses we have a rail system And so that rail system sits above the crop because you want to be taking photos down on top of the crop. And so the rail sits at the sort of trust level of the greenhouse and the cameras go back and forth. And they're covering the crops 24 seven. They're looking at every plant in the greenhouse all the time. For tomatoes, it's a slightly different system. So we just rolled out a tomato system a few months ago, I guess now at Green Tech that's brand new for us where you actually take that system and you turn it on its side. And so now you have a camera system that goes through the aisles of the tomato because unlike lettuce, where you want to look at the top, in tomatoes, you want to look at the vines, right? You want to look at the actual tomatoes and they grow on the other way. <laughs> so that's a different system for us. It's not on that rail system. And vertical farming applications, it's even different from that, right? Because then you're looking at throughput through a facility and so it's not as important that the camera moves it's actually more important that you're getting a high granularity and high visibility and so lots of different types of setups here that work really across any type of crop
0: and so what's been the feedback from folks that have been implementing the system do they is it a big change from when, when anything that they had in place now where it was probably like as you alluded to earlier just more manual efforts required
1: It is honestly, it's so hugely valuable that we talked earlier about that, like sigh of relief. It almost feels that way sometimes with a system like this. And yes, it's sometimes difficult to kind of start up with a new system like this. All technology requires, it has a learning curve to it. So you have to kind of get used to this or maybe change your processes slightly to kind of fit into the new system. But at the end of the day, what we're focused on is driving real tangible, calculable value for these growers, right? And so- Our growers on average are seeing 3x returns on investment every year that they implement the system. And it's continuous throughout the system because of how much value we can drive. That's a combination of things like hard costs. It's easy for growers to say, you know what, you're right, I can reduce some of the labor That's scouting my facility because I don't need that anymore. And I can move that into a different type of a focus, or I can just reduce the cost that's associated with that, or I can shift the cost that's associated with that. There's other things like driving higher revenue, right? We're looking at reducing loss continuously because every grower experiences loss from pest and disease or inventory counting incorrectness, or sales missed opportunities, right? There's just reasons for loss. We reduce that directly. We can help them optimize, right? Grow against your benchmark, grow faster than you're growing before. Just a day or two makes a huge difference in our industry or just a little bit more, right? Eking out just a little bit more. If you can get one more turn a year, that's direct revenue. So there's a ton of value from the system. And once people are in it and on it and using it, they see that pretty immediately. And so there's that, again, it's like, yeah, sure. There's a learning curve, of course but we work with you on that. Like, we're not going anywhere. We're your training partner. We're there. We're an extension of your team. And once you start seeing that value, there's almost that sigh of release because it's just that it's that valuable to you. It's that huge.
0: Do you find that some farmers may get benefits in terms of diagnosing things that they didn't even realize they should have been keeping an eye out for? Yes. <laughs> or just discovering <laughs> things that they may have known about?
1: Absolutely. We on occasion will have folks say like, I've never experienced X issue, right? And you're like, but I can see it, it's there right now. And so one of the really neat things about the system is it really helps drive that comprehensive coverage component that is really tough to do as again, people, because unless you're covering your plants 24-7, it's tough to keep an eye on them all the time, right? And so there are a ton of things, both on the positive and negative side, by the way, where you like the negative side is issue detection, right? Where, oh, we don't have that issue, but actually maybe we do. And I need to understand a little bit differently. And then on the positive side too, it's like, actually, did you know that your canopy growth is 10% higher than the average, right? And actually you're spotting something here. You've got something here. So whatever you're doing on a recipe basis, let's clone that, right? Because you're doing, you need to do that everywhere. So whatever's happening right here in this area is what we want to be doing in every section of the greenhouse or the farm, because it's working really, really well. And so people often, when you start seeing everything comprehensively and you get that information real time, can start making decisions in different ways because they have that complete picture.
0: And I noticed that you mentioned the, on the site, there's the Luna app. So for a farmer, is that their point of analytics to just analyze either real time or just get the reporting on a continuous basis to what's happening?
1: Yeah, we have So the Luna AI application itself is a great place to go in to do that. So that's where you can do virtual crop blocks. You can go get all the data and analytics. You can go get reporting and any information that you need. We also have other mechanisms too, right? We have reporting via email. A lot of folks want to send reports out to different team members, but maybe not everybody needs to be in the platform. So there's lots of ways that you can interact with the data.
0: Do you think as you start, because you're collecting data from so many different farms and you see so many different scenarios of what's working, what's not, is there thoughts or maybe this is already in place, just maybe anonymizing the data and just providing industry reports about like best practices or what's working, what's not, or things that farmers can be looking out for that they may not have been even thinking about because you have so much data that you're collecting?
1: So something that is really, really important to us is that the data belongs to the grower. Okay. It does not belong to us. And so something that's really, really important to us is that all of those best practices that you're experiencing, that's your IP, that's your recipe, that's you, that's what you've done. It's your secret sauce, right? Yeah. And so, and frankly, what's unique to you might not actually work over here on this other farm, right? Because of where you're located or your climate or the systems that you have in place, right? And everything is pretty special to these growers. And as the industry grows really, really quickly, I think it's really, really important to acknowledge that the growers who are using the system, they're using it to develop their own IP and their own secret sauce and the way that they grow. And so it's a little bit tricky because there is a benefit to seeing maybe a guidebook on best ways to get the best out of things. But I don't know that that one would actually work because of everybody having unique systems in unique places. And so truly anonymizing in a way that's valuable to people probably isn't actually all that easy. And two, while protecting everybody's sort of right to their own IP is something that we feel really strongly. So we've kind of taken a different approach, I think, than most SaaS companies and most data companies out there who really do want to own the data. We've actually flipped it back the other way and said, look, we're not going to do that. We're actually going to focus very, very strongly on enabling you as a grower to grow the best you can.
0: Yeah. So given your new position, you're probably the best poised to answer this question. But what are you looking for in terms of opportunities for growth with uh, Unu? And I don't know if that's different than what the plan was before you were on board, and now that you're in the role, where are you seeing the opportunities for expansion and growth within the company?
1: Yeah, we're really excited about a few things. So from a crop selection standpoint, across a number of different categories. So we work with about 80% of the large leafy green growers. So that market is something that we continue to expand in, we want to continue growing into, of course. We're also in the ornamental industry. So we work a lot with flower large commercial flower growers. And so we work with a number of the top hundred growers there, and we're going to continue to expand into that market as well. The newest market for us is tomatoes and vine crops. And so we're just launching that product now. We announced it, like I said, in June, and we'll be rolling that out commercially in Q1 of next year. So that's a really exciting new product for us. We're going to keep expanding into tomato crops and then expand from there into other vine crops, whether it's berries, potentially cucumbers, potentially peppers all of the different full selection there. So then we're excited for a few things from a crop selection standpoint, definitely continuing to expand in the markets that we're in, but adding also new markets on top of that.
0: And is, that, is that, are you seeing that growth both domestically and internationally as well?
1: We are, yes. So we have to date been very, very focused on North America. So we're based in Seattle, Washington, but we've got offices across both Canada and the United States. And we've been very, very focused on North America that is starting to evolve. So we are deploying in the Netherlands right now, and we're starting to okay. expand internationally as well.
0: And are you growing uh, your team as well? Yes. Uh, growth itself?
1: Come work with us. Yeah, <laughs> we, are, <laughs> we are absolutely hiring across the organization right now. We're building out some of the growth functions. We're always hiring on engineering. If you've got a background in computer vision or robotics, we'd love to talk to you, but we're definitely hiring across the organization. <laughs>
0: It seems, you know, as you start to talk about the movement into the different, from leafy greens into vines, crops, the analysis that has to happen at each of those different levels probably, I imagine, requires a whole different set of, to your point, even just the placement of the cameras, you're looking at different things, you're understanding what it is you need to be looking for with these different crops, and I'm I'm wondering how much lead time it takes before you can decide to move into, like, another crop, how much work on the science level it takes to sure. just do it enough times to feel like you have enough information to provide actionable data back to the farmers.
1: Yeah, it's funny because it's that it's true. It's also somewhat not true, right? So there's a, it sits in the middle. It's actually the same software system. So the way the data pipeline works and the way that we collect information is almost agnostic to the type of hardware, right? So the way that the rails work is the same way It's a different system, like it feels like a different system, it looks like a different system, but it functions as the same system. So the way that we collect imagery, we've built our IP around the way that we capture this imagery, the way that we process this imagery, and the way that we turn it into actionable data. That is what we are very, very good at. And so whether it's on Rails, whether it's a stationary camera, whether it's a bar of cameras, whether it's a vine crops camera, all of those systems collect information in the same way, pump it into the data platform and become information to the grower in the same type of way. Now, where you are right is that the things different growers care about might be slightly different, right? And so while everybody might care about chlorosis necrosis tip burn, we've got certain things on the issue side that tomato growers care about that lettuce growers don't care about and vice versa, right? And so there are those unique things by crop that people do care about. Everybody cares about counting inventory. Everybody cares about yield forecasting. Everybody cares about certain pieces of the system. But there are nuances within those packages that definitely somebody might care about and the others won't. And so what we do is we train the program. And so we have a provisioning period that every grower will go through that involves the setup of the system, you start getting value day one, because as soon as the cameras are up, you're going to start getting analysis and you're going to start getting imagery. But then you kind of go through a period where we roll out new value offerings based on the need to annotate or the need to train something to look for something that you care about that maybe is unique. And so that period, it's short for most people. It can be longer just depending on what it is that you care about. And if it's really new to the system,
0: And I imagine there's part of a training process for the farmers themselves so that they get comfortable with the data. They know what they're looking at. They know what to expect and what to be on the lookout for.
1: Yeah, there's a huge understanding process that has to happen because especially for growers, like they're very, very talented at doing these things. Right. And so they're used to seeing things that they've created. So you take a tomato grower who's used to doing crop registration and they're great at it. The problem isn't that they're not good at it. The problem is that they can't do it comprehensively for every plant, right? And so it's a little bit of level setting on both sides where we say, actually, you are great at this. This is why this tool is going to become your best friend. Check it, right? Like, let's work together. Make sure that it's giving you the results that you would do that yourself, right? And if it's there and it's a little bit more accurate, great. But like, let's just level set. Let's match. And then we can roll it out. And then we can kind of see everything. And then all of a sudden it goes from... But I used to do this thing, or I can do it better, or whatever it is. To actually, I trust this system inherently, and it does it for everything, which I couldn't do before. And now I have all of this extra value because of that.
0: Are you getting questions from farmers for, or requests for crops that you haven't yet worked on, or just because <laughs> there's an yeah, interest all for the that? Time. Are, are...
1: I mean, one of the luxuries of this industry, right, is that it's growing so fast. By nature, that means people are trialing new things, right? We talk to eggplant growers, strawberry growers, blackberry growers, all kinds of things, right? There's just so much work going into this industry right now to expand the crop selection. And by nature, that means that we're going to get requests for new things. And sometimes that comes from existing customers, frankly, who are trialing new things, which is fun. And sometimes it comes from folks who we just haven't been in that crop segment yet. But we're constantly adding to the crop selection as we keep going.
0: Yeah. And each one of those crops are going to have their own set of challenges in terms of the data that you're going to be analyzing and what you can specifically what you're going to be looking for with software.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so it just needs to see it needs to see a lot of crops to learn. Right. And so but that is that's why we've built the system to be what it is, which is that it's using the same infrastructure, right? It just requires now seeing the different crops.
0: How much of a, this is new to you and has been a bit of a learning curve in terms in different than what you were doing at Artemis?
1: Oh, it's a ton of new stuff, right? So it's been <laughs> so much fun. So I'm a physicist by education and came into the ag industry through operations, actually. So I used to work for one of the large Leafy Greens facilities as one of their first employees and helped build out the first few facilities and got my kind of feet wet in the operations side, which I loved. I loved growing plants. I loved figuring this stuff out. I loved thinking about what happens when you want to open a new facility in a new city, right? Like that was all kind of new to me. And then I started... Artemis in 2015, as a way to kind of digitize all of that stuff that happens, right? And that was fun and new and exciting. And then this is now the really technically complex industry, right? AI and true AI, really, and computer vision and how we utilize this data in different ways is relatively new to me from an application standpoint but it gets me putting my data science hat back on, which I truly appreciate and enjoy because it's fun to dig into this stuff. It's fun to think about how technology can be used to augment what we're doing in reality, right? And I think we oftentimes try to get sucked into the, well, AI should just replace all this and it should just replace. And like, I just don't think that way. I think that the augmenting of what we're doing in reality and to create, like, we have a grower shortage. We all know this. We have to acknowledge it, right? But if we can augment our growers and turn one grower into 10 growers and think about it kind of that way, that to me is really, truly almost magical, except for that it's not. It's science. And so that's a lot of fun to learn and to kind of dig into on a daily basis.
0: It's just been fascinating to see the pace at which AI is Prevalent in almost everything. I mean, from just like the GPT three stuff to the uh, the image creation stuff that we're seeing, and it it's almost dizzying in terms of like how good it is <laughs> with what it can do. And uh, probably anyone who's in AI thinks that we're still just at the tip of the iceberg in terms of what's possible.
1: Yeah, we're absolutely at the early stages still, but it is a lot of and it and that like impressive nature of the technology is because it's things that are so hard to do. As humans, right? And yeah. so it was funny. I was at a show a few weeks ago and we were talking to an ornamental grower who was like, there's no way you could spot a single bug. Like, there's just no way. I can't even really do it. Like, if I can't do it, you can't do it, right? And we said, we can, though. We <laughs> <Like, laughs> yeah, can. And let me yeah, show yeah. you it. And, and so we were able to show them and, and we bet dinner over it, too, because I was like, look, oh, wow. if I can do it, you got to use our system. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what will it take to kind of get you on? And and it was just this fascinating moment of these are really complex things that are hard to do, but technology is just better sometimes at those things. And this is a case where it is better. And so yeah, it's very, very good technology right now. And we're still only in the early horizons. I mean, we talk about this all the time in like the world of digital twinning for AI, right? I wrote an article about this for Greenhouse Grower just recently. We sometimes as an industry default to throwing these words out willy-nilly when it's not necessarily what we mean and we have to be more careful about that right because digital twins are a really good example where commercializing a digital twin in agriculture right now especially in cea is very 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 difficult and we're not there yet and this idea that you can replicate i mean take autonomous vehicles you have to create a proper digital twin. So the idea of like scenario planning in a digital environment, you have to replicate every single possible instance of something happening in real life. So as we're driving a car, we know that there are complexities. What happens if it rains the night before and the roads are slick? What happens if a person walks in front of you? What happens if a dog runs off its leash? What happens if a lights out and it goes off at the wrong time? Like there's almost unlimited possibilities of things happening in a system. And to replicate that digitally is really, really difficult to do. In a CEA environment, you're in a similar situation. It may not seem as complex, but it is because you've now got multiple biological systems at play as well. How a plant reacts to its environment, yeah like that's a challenging thing to think about.
0: You're dealing with a living organism. You're there.
1: dealing with a living organism and multiple, right? You have irrigation systems. You have all these types of things. Yeah, you have nutrient yeah. like, environments. You have a lot of different things going on at once. And so I think it's important for us to also acknowledge that like, that's a difficult problem to solve. Now, we're all working on it. Everybody's kind of working towards these types of things, but we're also not there yet. And so, yeah, in that curve, we're really early on in the world of AI. But also, that doesn't mean that we're not driving huge value.
0: Yeah, definitely. Something else you posted it was about the contribution you had or the work you did with Nokia for the, the Real Action Influencer series. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. That was a ton of fun. So Nokia great organization doing a ton of things that you'd probably never even know like this is one of the things I love about some of these big companies is that you have this perception in your head of what a company does like Nokia to me yeah. when they approached me I was like the phones and they're like no <laughs> we.
0: yeah so that was my first thought when I saw exactly. it I was like okay like, what?
1: and it turns out like connectedness in general like they just do a ton and they do a lot a lot of work and so agriculture was one of the things that the company is really excited about and excited about sort of thinking about innovation in this space and how they can kind of play in. And so they created this influencer series that followed four folks, three entrepreneurs and an internal uh, stakeholder at, at Nokia to actually try to ideate a business model and a company idea within just a few weeks. And so we really only had four or five weeks to kind of come up with an idea to tackle something so massive, which is food waste, right, broadly. Yeah. And food waste is such a huge challenge that impacts is impacted by the beginning most stages of the agricultural supply chain all the way through to the consumer. And so where you start on that chain is a fascinating question in and of itself. And so we had to kind of think about this. And so it was, it was a ton of fun to do. I think it points out as any entrepreneur kind of digs through these challenges. One of the things that I've noticed myself doing time and time again is the more I get into something, the more questions you end up having. It's not the more answers you have, it's the more questions. And that's a good scenario because it, prompts you to think about things in different ways. And so you, you keep going down these wormholes of, well, what if we actually did this? Well, what if, no, that wouldn't work. What if we did this? How does that work? How does somebody think about it that way? How would somebody use something like that? And you start kind of going down this rabbit hole and the whole thing is on video. So you can kind of see our thinking process through this whole time. And ultimately we ended up coming up with some ideas around what a product could actually look like, to track inventory through the supply chain as it flows. And then we even started brainstorming about incentivizing kind of the waste reduction side, whether through potentially carbon credits or thinking about financial incentives to help cut down on waste, which was fascinating. And it ended up kind of looking a little bit like a, almost a marketplace approach, but really an inventory tracking plus secondary market type of approach to which of course there are Amazing companies in this space doing work already in that space, and so of course you keep coming back to, well, we should just do what they're doing, or they should just do it. Let's just support them. <laughs> and so you go down this, this sort <laughs> yeah, of yeah. mapping project. So ton of fun. Um, I highly recommend if folks are interested in either the entrepreneurship journey or food waste in particular, both are pretty covered in the in the docu series. And it's and it's great to kind of see the work that Nokia is doing in this space.
0: Speaking of uh, entrepreneurship, I saw that you had a stint as entrepreneur in residence with NDRC as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So NDRC. How
0: did that come about? And <laughs> what was that experience like?
1: Yeah. NDRC is so a great program out in Ireland, really randomly. So the National Accelerator for Ireland, National Startup Accelerator for Ireland, and it's run by really, really incredible people at Dogpatch Labs, who happened to also run an accelerator years ago. That worked with Alltech, one of the big agricultural companies, and I participated in that. And so as an entrepreneur, I actually participated in one of the programs years and years ago, and really stayed in touch with the the program leaders because they're just really incredible for any entrepreneur in Ireland or in Europe in general. Honestly, I cannot recommend this group enough, but they're great. They're entrepreneurial thinking. They structure programs in a really, really fantastic way. And, and there's just a ton of value. So I stayed in touch and I became a mentor with the program. And then recently Dogpatch took on this role as leaders of the national startup accelerator for all of Ireland, which is incredible. They run programs out of Dublin, but out of out of Cork, out of all the places across the country. And so I've participated as an EIR where I get to actually work hands-on with the companies to help them develop from the earliest stages to kind of that fundraising and launching stage uh, or launching and fundraising stages and just really help them build that business from the ground up. And it's been so rewarding to one to give back to the community, but also to, to like learn from these other founders about how they're approaching problems and how they're thinking about things, because it's just helpful to kind of get out of your own head sometimes because you've been doing the same, you know, I've been working in the same industry for almost 15 years. And I I know vertical farming. I know indoor farming. I know this space really well. I don't know the as the world of asthma. Right. And like, I, there's a company that's working in the asthma space or, or, pet nutrients and things or, you know, all these different spaces where you're like, I don't know those spaces. It's interesting. How are you thinking about this? What can I learn from you that I can bring back to my own company? Right. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun.
0: It seems like you're always conscious of having that learner's mindset of always, you know, not assuming that, you know, everything and just and also the entrepreneurial mindset, because, you know, that's that was your start. And so just understanding how entrepreneurs are tackling problems in different industries I would imagine, gives you ideas and, and keeps you energized in, in your current role to, to look at current problems you have from a different perspective.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you can tell, I'm pretty high energy. <laughs> and I, But I feed off <laughs> of all of that, right? It's, it's a ton of yeah. fun for me, right? I've always been deeply curious. I think you could ask my parents probably and they'll tell you the same thing. Like I've been since I was a child. I've been, I'm a deeply curious person and I just want to dig into things more and more and more and learn because there's so much to learn, right? And so if we ever want to have the belief that we can build something bigger and make a lasting impact on an industry or on the world, to me part of that has to be this open mindset of of learning and the the idea that you know everything It's just always false, right? There's just too much to learn. And so the great example, right? Artemis at the time, B2B SaaS, right? Still B2B SaaS, right? Uh, You know, we're still selling B2B SaaS. B2B kind of enterprise SaaS. Now, what I could learn from a consumer product founder. um, So I invested in a company a few years ago that's doing consumer products in the safe skincare product realm, right? And so they're trying to create hormone safe skincare products, Totally different from what I do. Not food related not agriculture related, not B2B related, not enterprise, not software, like nothing that I know. Right. But they had this mechanism for how they went to market that scaled so fast by bringing champions on board and to really get people excited about this brand that taught me how we could almost do the same. And like, they don't have to be exclusive. You don't have to have playbooks that are exclusive. Now you, we do, and we have great playbooks that work really well. But when you can think about how to bring stakeholders in as champions and to create this almost like not referral, not like this idea that people could just kind of word of mouth the industry and the product and, and kind of take off almost a viral nature to it is a fascinating concept in B2B enterprise SaaS because it's not like, that happens, right? Nobody's out there going like, yeah. Oracle. I'm not like, yes, we're Oracle. <laughs> we got to get Oracle products. It's just, I mean, I love Oracle. It, nothing against Oracle. It's just-
0: There probably are some people doing that, but they, they probably work at Oracle. There may be some like
1: Oracle cult, right? But most people aren't yeah. out there evangelizing yeah. B2B enterprise software. And so this idea that like, if you can get capture a little bit of that concept, a little bit of the, you know, the evangelizing of a product, that could be a spark that ignites Crazy growth. And so that's a, just a, like a little example, but if you keep your mind open and learn from other people, it makes you that much stronger. It makes me that much stronger at the things I can deliver on a day to day basis.
0: And is this part of the investments you're doing with uh, X Factor Ventures?
1: Yeah. So X Factor, a really, really great fund, early stage venture capital fund that only invests in female founded companies okay. and the pre seed and seed stage. Um, so that earliest stage. So we look for companies with a female founder or co founder. And the reason is women are underfunded. We know this. So women receive less than 2% of the venture capital that goes out to companies every year. And that gets even worse as you start thinking about segmented populations, right? And underrepresented populations, black women get less than 1%. And so we're really talking about a tiny, tiny sliver of what's available from a venture capital perspective. And we want to change that ratio. We want to change the dynamic. And so the fund was started with a thesis that founders actually have a ton of deal flow because we are around other founders. And to capitalize on that, we created a fund that all of the partners are full-time founders or recently exited founders. And that also means we're too busy to do this like on a day-to-day basis, but there's a lot of us. So it enables us to kind of reach out and stretch out to our networks and invest in interesting things that we see along the way. And I've gotten the absolute pleasure to work with a ton of founders who stretch across every industry doing fascinating work from a like, quantum computing to the skincare company to prebiotics for babies to help them poop more. I like everything, you name it, I've looked at it. It's fun. It's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. It must be, well, kudos to you and, and for all the work you're doing for like to help, you know, female founders and any time that there's, there's, there's fun specifically dedicated, you know, to help underserved populations. I always think that's amazing because there's not enough support for those folks and they're doing great things and they have Ideas that are just as innovative and just as groundbreaking as, you know, traditional founders. And to your point, they're just not getting the attention and the investments that they need to bring that idea to market. Yeah. And so so just as, as we round up, close up, appreciate you taking the time to come back yeah, on. Please. I'm curious, what's a, a tough question you've had to ask yourself recently?
1: Oh, that's a great question. What's oh, a tough question I've had to ask myself recently? Something personal that I've been thinking a lot about is where can and should i be really focused in a day-to-day and part of this is as an entrepreneur you're focused on everything you have to wear every hat it's just by nature of it it is you end up specializing at some point but generally speaking you have to be able to touch to work in and on the business and that means that you're looking at every single element of the business and when we merged that hat somewhat went away It, it didn't really, because really it's Adam and I are working together on building this company. And so at the end of the day, it's I'm still as entrepreneurial as I've ever been. But it also does allow you to step back for a second and say, where are your strengths? Where are your weaknesses? Where can you grow? Where do I want to grow? Where do I want to focus on a daily basis? And, and what does that look like? Like, What does that actually mean? And so one of the things that I'm very appreciative to Adam about is that this role that I've got here is kind of a made up role to some degree, like it's it's gaining traction as this like chief growth officer in the industry. But also, it's really this idea that I wanted to really focus on things, all of the things that are commercial in the business and really focus on kind of growing that and what it looks like and developing new processes in there. And so getting the time to actually work on myself just as much as I get to work in the business is a luxury you don't have when you're actually, you know, starting a company. And so That's been something I've been spending a lot of time thinking about. And, and then another thing is sort of, I want to open up my knowledge on different industries. And so I love our industry. I want to spend my career in the industry, but my curiosity side also wants to kind of explore what other industries are like, and especially legacy, dirty industry, like these, like agriculture, like manufacturing, right? Like these industries that are really interesting to me are where tech and humans can kind of come together. And so I've been spending a lot of time trying to meet as many people as I can possibly meet, just to have fun and, and learn more about the things that they're doing that we might be able to kind of benefit from too.
0: Do you have systems frameworks for how you take in data? I mean, there's so much happening now. Like I took this course once that's called Building a Second Brain by this guy named Tiago Forte, and he's helped me like figure out like how much stuff I need to, uh, how to process this, all the all the. You know if you're naturally curious there's a lot available to you to take in. So you have you need tools and how to bookmark articles, you can read them later. And and the idea of just in time learning versus just in case learning, which I which has been really helpful for me. And I'm just wondering is anything that's been working for you just to, to process everything that's coming in.
1: Yeah, that's a very good question because it can be overwhelming, honestly. And especially if you're naturally curious then the world is your oyster, right? The thing that I found in the last Since the pandemic, really, honestly. So I used to not be a very good work from home person, right? I feed off people. I love being in an office. I like (laughs) being around people. If I could be on the trade show floor twenty four (laughs) seven, I would do it. Like I just I like the energy of people because again, it's it's that curiosity thing. Like the more conversations I can have with somebody, the more I can learn from them too. And vice versa, hopefully. And so the pandemic like threw a whole wrench in that, right? It was now you're at home in a space that's not necessarily an office, right? And it's this whole thing. And so you have to be a little bit more diligent about how you receive information, because I find that when I receive information from a person, I can retain it potentially better than if I receive it digitally in some way, shape, or form. And so something that I've latched onto is really, I actually don't think I'm great at frameworks for this, but the one thing that has worked very well for me is I've to-doist has become like part of my blood. Yeah. And so, and this can work for anything, Asana, whatever tool you use, but having some sort of a simple to-do management system has become literally my lifeblood. And so I prioritize things based on a version of the Eisenhower matrix where you have this concept of is it urgent and important? If so, then I work on it. And kind of the further off of the matrix of urgent and important, the the more I'm going to just throw it away and or delegate it out. And I only keep those things in and then I have kind of a different to do box That's all the stuff I'm thinking about and I have to move it into, am I acting on this thing or am I just think, is it just information I want to have? And so that's kind of become the way that I think about things, but I don't know that I have the best framework, but that tool in particular has become the only way that I can seem to process the myriad of digital information that's in front of me at all times.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good one to start. Definitely like I hear like a lot of good things about the Eisenhower matrix. So that's helpful. So given our audience that you're familiar with, obviously it's uh, folks interested in the space, other founders and CEOs. I've been leaving some space at the end of these conversations for any messages or any requests you have for this audience.
1: Yeah, so I would say, one, I'm an open book. Please reach out. So if you want to get into this industry and you're thinking about learning in this industry and you want to talk, please feel free to reach out. You can go on LinkedIn and just message me there. And I'll just say that you met me here and then I'll know who you are. We're also at a lot of events coming up. So if you want to meet up in person, we will be at Greenhouse Grower Connect in October. We'll be at Indoor AgCon when that comes up in the winter. February, I think this year. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, So we'll be at a bunch of shows. So please come up and meet us in person. And then frankly, if you're interested in uh, working in this industry, like I said, check out our job postings. We're hiring. I know a lot of people are hiring right now. A lot of people have raised fresh rounds this fall. And so I'm sure that from a startup perspective, there's going to be a lot of openings, but I would love to talk to anybody who's interested in learning more about the space or, or ex- open to exploring it.
0: Yeah. And, and we've got with the free vertical farming jobs board. So I'm, I'm reaching out to all past guests and just make sure we, we get that filled up with And just another avenue. I just want to have another opportunity for folks to see what's happening in the space and, and to see what's available. So I'll make sure I coordinate that with you as well.
1: Yeah, that'd be great.
0: Well, Alison, thank you again for coming back on. I'm glad we got to connect in person. And now coming back, it's it's exciting to see how you think about the opportunities that exist in this space, especially with your background and how excited you are for what uh, UNU is doing as well. I mean, it's very innovative and I think it's going to be very helpful for the industry. So, so much happening in space. I know if we have a conversation in six months or or a year from now, there's going to be a whole new (laughs) bunch of things that we're talking about that we're excited about, but I'm looking forward to connect. So I'll have all those links in the show notes, your LinkedIn profile as well, if folks want to reach out. And I really appreciate you sharing time with me today.
1: Absolutely. It's always my pleasure. It was a lot of fun. And I agree. I think in six months, it's going to be a different world. So maybe we'll do it again. <laughs>
0: yeah, sounds good. Thanks again to Allison for coming on the show and sharing her story. As always, full show notes available at verticalfarmingpodcast.com. We go to great lengths to provide a lot of details about the conversation to make it easy for you to focus on just listening and not taking copious notes, as some people have mentioned they have in the past. We have an episode summary, we have key takeaways, timestamps, quotes from the shows, and any resources or links mentioned, we cover those as well. So verticalfarmingpodcast.com or the show notes in any of your favorite podcast apps. Thanks again to our season title sponsor, Cultivated. If you're looking into a vertical farm and don't know where to start or which technology would suit your needs, reach out to them today. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Learn more at Cultivated.com, and that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com. Just leave out that last e. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Learn more about how a podcast may be helpful for your brand at Fullcast.co. One more reminder, if you're enjoying this show, leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP, and we'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. Tune in next week for my conversation with David Ahmed. He is the CEO of HexaFarms. It's a new company that's part of the Techstars incubator and they're doing some really interesting work and David is high energy (laughs) and has a lot of strong opinions about where there are opportunities for growth and development in this sector. I have a feeling that uh, his energy level is going to be interesting and infectious. So uh, that's all I want to say, because I really enjoyed my conversation. I was smiling the whole time. I know you're going to love it, so make sure you listen out for that one. Okay, until we meet again, here's to your health.
1: Thanks for listening. To read the full show notes for this episode, which includes any links mentioned in the episode, as well as a full show transcription, visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There. You can sign up for our email list to be notified
0: when new episodes are published.